Coming up today on Complete Estate Planning, you know, many couples automatically assume after one spouse passes away, well, the survivor is going to retain control of everything. Certainly, that is probably the default, but certain factors can complicate matters. Issues of trust, control, blended families, and separate finances mean it's important to understand all of your options before deciding on the best plan. We'll talk all through that today here on Complete Estate Planning. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Glad to have you back on the podcast. Ben George alongside Nick Rosenbauer. He is a state planning attorney and the owner of the Rosenbauer Law Office there in Westchester, Ohio. You can find him online, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Nick, good to talk to you again. How are you today? Uh, doing doing good. Happy Friday. Happy, happy Friday, Ben. Happy Friday to you as we're recording this. I know we're all both looking ahead to the weekend. It's been a lot of uh, restless nights for us this week, me with a, with a young uh, newborn and you uh, just dealing with some of the same with kids waking up in the middle of the night. But the weekend, maybe we'll get a little rest, hopefully. Well, I mean, doubtful. Fingers um, crossed. But, we can remain optimistic, but, uh, right? Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, but uh, but at least I uh, won't be heading into the office, although, uh, you know, we do have uh, got a big game coming up for uh, for Team Chickalettas yeah. uh, tomorrow. We- it's a noon game, which is risky um, because it's not <laughs> it's not nap time, but it's getting close to nap time. Uh, and I guess the concern is, uh, uh, are the kids all going to have lunch before, or are they kind of going to kind of wait till after? Right. So I guess this is, I guess this is the vibe uh, that teams have maybe when they travel across time zones. You know, like an East Coast team goes plays, you know, goes out to <laughs> California, you know, and plays the night game or, mm-hmm. or vice versa. So yeah, just uh, just stuff we got got to deal with but you know you have to face adversity you know with these three and four year olds <laughs> and we teased it on the last episode that uh we didn't tease what was coming up on the estate planning side of things we teased t- team chicoletta um but you guys have got off to a pretty good start huh oh i'll tell you what um we had no uh respect uh before the season started i actually <laughs> was a little nervous transfer portal hit us hard so out of uh, the four kids that big corn had last fall Two of them uh, had moved up uh, due to age, uh, being older. Um, Adam, my son, is the only one still on the team, and the other one who wasn't too old, his uh, his his own parents uh, actually uh, started coaching a team in the spring because I did we did t-ball in the spring, and so now, you know, I, I don't know. I guess they they talk about all of. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick's former assistants, right, getting head coaching jobs, uh, and you know, or, or Nick Saban's <laughs> right. assistants getting head coaching jobs. So uh, we have yet to square off against uh, against my former uh, teammate here. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, it's been off to a roaring start, undefeated, mowing people down. And you know what, my kids defend and they enjoy it, which is super weird. Uh, at this age um, right. but what we've done is we'll you know we got six kids so at practice I'll say all right three kids come with me raise your hand if you want to steal the ball from the other guy and all six kids uh, come over and they want to sit there and I'll say no but three of you go over here who wants to go score 
and everyone just stands there. <laughs> all they want to do is uh, all they want to do is steal the ball from the other person. And look, um, and many of you guys know I played uh, soccer all the way through college. Um, I was a goalkeeper, so kids having the heart for defense, I love it. Yeah, we're undefeated. We're mowing people down. Um, and and actually, Ben, I texted you this yeah. after it happened, <laughs> but uh, um, all of you probably remember, you know the. The, the Bill Belichick, you know, the, the cheating and getting out coached incident uh, from last fall. Uh, well, he came back and we got our revenge. I love it. But you know what I love most is that you didn't really recognize him. You, you, it was your wife that helped you uh, point out that, hey, you just destroyed the guy that tried to sneak one by you last time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because um, they had like, for those of you who don't remember, uh, it was the end of last year, and you're supposed to play three-on-three three on the field with one coach. And they conned me and said, none of our kids stay on the field. They always run off or run to the parents. So we're going to put all three of our coaches on just to try and keep them there, and we're going to put four kids on at a time just so hopefully two of them actually stay. Mm-hmm. And we only had three kids that day. So literally I didn't even have four kids to put on the field. And they were full of it. They had all four kids on, three coaches. There were seven of them uh, against my three kids. But uh, first game of the season, uh, we go against them and absolutely mowed them down. Uh, My son scored eight by himself. And he was not the only one to score, but just absolutely mowed them down and... You know, I felt a little bad, and then, you know, it was brought to my attention <laughs> that, uh, you know, hey, that was uh, the guy from last year who had seven people on the field and, and, and sandbagged you. Um, so then I wasn't – I didn't feel bad at all uh, whatsoever. Um, so we, we absolutely mowed him down. Last two games, and not against them, but the last two games, we played four so far. Uh, we've given up one goal per game. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. It starts from the we top are... down, Nick. You preach defense probably as a former goalie. I know the message doesn't usually get through to kids that age, but <laughs> maybe you've instilled that in them. Well, they like they think it's funny to take the ball from someone else. Um, and I'll tell you this, the, the worst thing in the little kids' soccer is, you know, just someone from the other team coming to kick the ball from you and not sharing. Like, that's hmm. scary. They don't mm-hmm. get that. And so I said, you know what? A lot of these kids have never played before. Let's have it to where, hey, you know, and I would pair up kind of the buddies against each other. Um, you know, the people who, you know, because Adam's got kind of a best friend on the team. There's a couple of the girls who are like best buddies. And I said, all right, how about you go over here and you try and score? And they say, you go take the ball from them. And I guess they were comfortable doing it, you know, because it was their buddy. And they're cracking up they're laughing i have never seen anyone so excited to defend and you know we we go all out on offense but the minute the other team gets the ball literally we're running them down getting in front of them stopping the ball these kids are more excited to kick the ball out of bounds you know and stop a breakaway than actually score i could not have been more proud these kids are ruthless and you know they're literally telling me they haven't scored any goals because you know how they say, oh, we don't keep score, but the kids keep score. Right. Right. And let's not <laughs> pretend. <clears throat> so all you parents out there thinking your kids aren't keeping score, they absolutely are. Um, and they're saying, they haven't scored any. They haven't scored any. Are we winning? Because they haven't scored. Okay, guys, <laughs> calm down. But uh, no, they're, 
they're ruthless. Um, and you know what? We got some kids, some some young ones. Frankly, not not everyone's even that good of a soccer player. It's not like I have this huge, talented, old team of four-year-olds. <laughs> but everyone thinks it's fun to take the ball from the other guy. And I guess I've given them permission not to share. They love it. It's That's amazing. Great. Yeah, um, it's amazing. And then we had one last week. We had a shutout until like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the other team got a goal, and our whole team, like all the kids, like slumped. They were so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to sit there and act like I'm not disappointed because it's three- and four-year-old yeah. soccer, and I don't care. But I was like, you guys are awesome. That's so, funny. Well, yeah, if anybody has- No one gave us any respect, but uh, – here we are. We're we're mowing people down, and uh, you know my uh, my former uh, my former student. You know we're we're anxiously awaiting them on the schedule. Uh, there will be no mercy. Well, for anybody that uh, doubts the legitimacy this legitimacy of the story, Nick did text me like Saturday afternoon right after the game was over. <laughs> hey, guess what happened? So he is passionate about Team Chicoletta, and I love to hear the update. So we do appreciate that. But we will get into our topic today. So thanks for being a part of the show. Um, you probably saw the headline, I'm dead. Should my spouse keep everything? Well, pretty blunt and straightforward, but we want to discuss this, right? So there's this common assumption that, hey, if, if one spouse passes away, the survivor will get everything, right? But there are some nuances, as there always is in estate planning and some different situations. So we're going to talk some through some of those today and uh, make sure you understand a lot of your options, if not all of your options, before deciding on the best plan. Of course, you always want to work with an estate planning attorney. So if you want to get in touch with Nick, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com, best place to start. You can schedule a call with Nick right there through the website, or you can call 513-463-6789. All right, so let's just start off, Nick. There, there are different ways, obviously, you can own assets with your spouse. Everybody kind of does it a little bit differently, but let's just kind of start there. Yeah. So, so Ben, there are three different arrangements or setups uh, that I will see when I sit down with people. Uh, and that always gives me a starting point. You'll have some people come in, they say everything is owned together. Okay. You know, what's, you know, the house is in both of our names, the bank accounts are in both of our names, you know, so they operate as if everything is joint. Um, the flip side of that is everything is separate. So I have my money, you have your money, um, which I will see this more often, you know, if it's like a second or third relationship, um, you know, where maybe they or they got together later in life and it wasn't something where they built together. Um, although a lot of times I'll see the, the third option here in that scenario, which is mixed. So you'll have, well, I have my own money, my own car, my own retirement account, and I want to keep that separate. Uh, and so does my wife, but we bought a house together. Okay. You know, so you'll have kind of a mixture. We have some, we got his, hers, and ours. Okay. So, so that's probably, um, that and everything being together are probably the most common, uh, scenarios that I see. All right. So let's go through some of the different options here, the different ways that this can be distributed. So the first one is we kind of touched on everybody kind of assumes survivor keeps everything there's no restrictions right well yeah that's the default i guess that most people would assume and i'm sure 50 years ago that was a hundred percent of the time that was the way the the plan ended up going um but i will say this is not a hundred percent of the case anymore but we'll we'll kind of start there so the one you see most common you know What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. When the first one of us passes away, 
it's all still the same of the other. Okay, so, you know, if my wife dies tomorrow, everything is still mine, or if I die tomorrow, everything is still hers, no restrictions, and I would say this is probably the most common when people keep joint finances and they've, you know, first marriage and kind of acquired everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd still say it's the most common, but it's not 99% of the time uh, like you would necessarily think it was. Right. Okay. So that's no restrictions. But there are some cases where the spouse can't keep everything, but there are some restrictions, right? Well, yes, that's correct. So the way the rest of these, um, because we have a few different uh, scenarios, um, if we're not doing what I just talked about, in almost all of these scenarios, there does have to be some sort of, or at least a portion of the assets that are held separately. Okay, so something has to be separate in order for this to happen. Because otherwise, if it's my house, you can't restrict me from it, or vice versa. So the rest of these are going to be, at least there's something that is separate. So this is probably the second most common, where you'd say, hey, if I pass away, um, I know we have some separate assets here, but I want them all to be there for my wife. I want her to have everything. She is my first priority, Uh, but perhaps there are some restrictions. Maybe I say I want it to be used as a backup if she runs out of money or for medical needs or basic support needs, Um, but sometimes there are restrictions on what it can be used for, and sometimes it can require the approval maybe of a third party or be under the control of a third party. Um, And the reason you would do this, you're saying, why the heck would you do this? And this would actually apply to this and the rest of the ones in the list that I'm going to go over, is you want to dictate what happens after both of you are gone with the money that you left for your spouse that he or she didn't need, okay? Because obviously, if I leave everything to my wife, you know, she could change the will, she could change the inheritance, she could spend it all. There's nothing okay. I can do to decide here's what happens in the end. So something like this, everything for the spouse but restricted, um, you could say, well, I want everything to be available for my spouse, but my brother is in charge and he releases money as is necessary. And then the nice piece of that is after she's gone, whatever money she didn't need, here's where it goes. Okay, and that actually will apply to all the rest of these um, because all of these other ones are in a subcategory, I guess, different from the first one where what's, you know, what's mine is all yours uh, at the first death. Okay, okay. So, so that's the first one where everything's for you, honey, but <laughs> only for certain items and whatever you don't need, I keep control of who the final destination, who the final beneficiary is. Okay. So then... The- Beyond that, then you have, again, if, if, if not everything's going to your spouse, then she gets or he gets some of that, right? But then the rest is split between others. And then, again, you have this kind of situation where there are no restrictions on that, right? Yes. Um, so, obviously, we talked about everything is there for the spouse. Do what they want. Everything is there for the spouse, but with restrictions and a contingency. One of the strategies here could be, well, here's what I'm leaving for the spouse, and it's all there. So, you know, let's say half goes to my wife, and she can do whatever she wants. That's hers. That's her payout. That's her inheritance for me, if you want to call it that. And then the rest of it immediately will go elsewhere. 
Okay, so the nice thing there is there's a nice clean break. I can say my wife gets this money. It's all hers. She can do whatever she wants. Uh, and my kids get this money. They get the other half, but they get it right away. Okay, they don't need to, this sounds awful, but they don't have to wait till mom's dead in order to get an inheritance. Or, and you can see how this can go in second or third marriages, you don't have to wait till stepmom's dead to get dad's money. Okay. Right? You know, hey, my stepmom or my stepdad being alive is keeping me from getting you know, money from my from my parent. Okay, so you see, that's where this comes in. Um, and then the other way you can do that is the same idea. Let's say it's half to the spouse, half to the kids, but with some restrictions. So you're kind of combining the previous two. And then so the kids get their inheritance right away. The surviving spouse has theirs, but you treat it the way we did um, a couple of items ago, or maybe it's restricted. Money can be used for certain items, but not for everything. Or maybe it's kind of as a backup, uh, so to speak. and can be held for their benefit. Maybe restrictions on use might be under the control or require the approval uh, of a third party. So again, that's even a little more uh, restricted. Um, and again, I will say these where anything's restricted or, or there's a partial share, a lot of the time say, hey, you know what, they may have their own money. So they probably don't need my money, and this is like a bonus Mm -hmm. or an extra, or maybe it is a benefit, or it's just like an emergency fund if, God forbid, something happens and they were to run out of money. Gotcha. Well, that kind of takes us to our last one, too, right? So there are—and this one seems kind of harsh, right? There's no inheritance left of the survivor. like. To me, when I hear that, I'm like, well, what? why would you be in a situation where you have a spouse that you wouldn't want to leave anything to? But this does happen, right? Yeah, exactly. So on its face, it sounds harsh. When I die, my wife gets nothing. Everything's <laughs> left for the kids. But let's say, you know, um, maybe I was married. I have a couple kids. My wife was previously married. She's got some kids, got divorced or widowed. And then maybe we met in our 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. And we decided to get married and said, you know what? I love you. I want to get married, but I, I have enough to take care of myself. You have enough to take care of yourself. And, you know, you don't need my money and I don't need your money. And I want all of my money to go to my family or my kids when I'm gone. And you feel the same. Okay, so I guess that's technically disinheriting your spouse, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I'd say this is the most common when each spouse comes into the relationship, you know, quote unquote, with their own money, which was always kept separate. Um, And also you have to be comfortable, Ben, that, hey, if I die tomorrow and I leave nothing to my wife, my wife's got enough money that she can take care of herself. Like this would be really harsh if I did this and my wife became homeless yeah or vice versa so this is something where you know without me she's got enough to take care of herself and vice versa otherwise that's not really a good option you know but at the same time um you know that's something that you need to keep in mind usually in a subsequent relationship and not all the children are joint um and you say hey my my priority is my kids and i'll be with you and i'll get married to you but I don't need your money. You don't need my money. If something happens, I want my family money going to my family. Okay, so it's not really a harsh thing, Ben. It's more of a, 
here's how the life circumstances played out, and we're just going to keep the status quo. Um, and I don't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Look, for, for some people, that's not a good thing. Uh, but for other situations, Ben, you can see uh, how that works and also keeps things clean, you know, versus muddying, you know, versus muddying the waters. And my money's going to a different family or your money's coming to my family. Um, or, Ben, you know, like the worst thing to do here, you know, let's say something happens and, you know, your spouse, you know, passes away and you get remarried as an old man and, you know, the the stepkids, you know, her kids are now your stepkids, which are fine. Um, and then she passes away, leaves it all to you. And then her stepkids are saying, who's this Ben guy? And why does he have my deceased mom and dad's money? Like, we should be getting it. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the stepdad's here burning through all of it. And we're not getting our inheritance. Ben, that makes you the bad guy. And frankly, they're waiting on you to die to get their mom's money. Hmm. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Because then, especially, they just, you know, who knows? Um, it probably sours the relationship when it doesn't need to. And then what are you going to do next time they have you over for Thanksgiving and they cook and all of a sudden you start feeling crummy about eating some food? Did they poison it? Is it like James Bond? You know, what's <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? No, but 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 in all seriousness, um, you know, especially if people are kind of already established and already have, you know, kind of a family before you know, getting into a relationship. This is more common than you would think. Um, I will say the best thing, Ben, if you do that, it's really good to have good communication. Both of you are on the same page. No surprises, okay? Because if I'm not leaving anything to someone, you know, like my spouse, I want to make sure they're on the same page and they're comfortable with it and we can look each other in the eye and say, I don't need your money. You don't need my money. Your kids should get what's yours. My kids should get what's mine. And then, honestly, you can kind of come to an agreement on that. So I think that's really good to do if people are comfortable enough uh, and have had that conversation. But, Ben, obviously, you know, where you're going to go with this is, well, you guys should talk about this and be on the same page if you're going to do it. But if that's the case and you have that mature conversation, um, a lot of times— that is the best option, kind of keeps things clean, okay? But, but Ben, you can see how this is more prevalent uh, in like a second or third relationship with sec- separate children, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When you, when you have a couple come in and, that are talking through this type of thing, do they typically have the kind of their mind made up and know what they want to do? Or is this something you kind of walk through with them and give them their different options? Well, I need to give them options uh, some of them have already thought through this. Some of them don't. Um, but the the big question here is, and it's an uncomfortable question, Ben. But you know, we do that around here. If you're coming to the lawyer's office, you got to be yeah. ready for that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say, hey, Mr. Smith, if you passed away tomorrow and your wife had control of everything, are you comfortable with that? Are you concerned? that she would spend it, that she would waste it? Are you concerned that she would call me up and say, hey, Nick, I know we left the money to my kids and his kids, but his kids have not talked to me since the funeral. And they yelled at me, and they said I was the worst thing that ever happened to their dad, and I made him miserable. And for as awful as they have been, I want to change the inheritance plan. I don't want them getting a dime. 
even though some of it is their dad's money, but it's now all mine. You know, so the big thing is when something happens to one of you, is there any concern about the other surviving spouse, what they would do with the money or that they might change the inheritance? And if that is a concern, we got to talk about our options. And sometimes they'll say, nope, not worried about it. Okay, that's easy. Sometimes they bring it up to me, you know, especially if there's like a contentious relationship between the stepkids and stepparent. You know, say, this is what I'm worried about, and they've already identified it. Um, And sometimes they say, oh, never thought about that. And then there's that awkward silence where they kind of look at each other, Mm -hmm. you know, like, hey, are you, do you trust me? Uh, I don't know. Do you trust me, honey? And they they kind of wait to see who speaks first um, a lot of the time. So, and I don't mean to make light of it. But it's something, it's one of the what-ifs we need to talk about, so at least I know how to set things up after one of you passes away. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's a good good information today and, and some things to be thinking about for people. If you have questions for Nick, again, you can log on, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Phone number as well, 513-463-6789. And Nick, for anybody that wants to, to schedule a call through the website and, and gets on the calendar, what what's next? Well, yeah, so uh, the website uh, certainly has an option if you want to chat. You can always call the office, too, um, if you have questions or if you want to talk to me. The scheduler's great, but sometimes just calling the office uh, and, and speak with uh, speak with one of us and then have a human conversation, and then we'll have a call. I'll introduce myself. You know, I'll say, tell me a little bit about the situation you're looking for some help with. I'm sure you'll have some questions. And then we say, okay. Here's what needs to be done, and then I'll kind of explain our process, and then we schedule a time to sit down in person. We have some information we'll send out to you and kind of walk through there. But I love that introductory call. Introduce myself for 10 minutes. Tell me a little bit about your situation. Okay, got it. This is exactly what we do all day, every day. Here's what to expect, and here's how we find out you know, what you need and, and frankly, what you don't need. So it's a great first step, um, and you can do it on the website or call our office. The, just call our main office at uh, 513-463-6789, and, and one of my staff will put, a, will put a note on my calendar. They'll reserve a time for me to give you a call. So it's fantastic. It's kind of a great way to start uh, and also kind of get your feet wet so you, you know, because there's an education process for my clients as well. Yeah. Okay, this is not just give me all your information and then the lawyer says, okay, I got it. And I go into the, the dungeon and come up with all the paperwork and tell you where to sign. We're building this together. Okay, so I, I need to give you and you know, you need to be educated enough to understand your options. And I need to be educated enough from you to understand about your family, what you're concerned about, what you own. Um, so we all, we both need to kind of get each other up to speed and then we can, you know, it's like going to the doctor, Ben, you know, the doctor doesn't tell you what's wrong, you know, before looking at the x-ray and the the blood tests and everything like that. And also the doctor should be asking you, Hey Ben, how are you feeling? What's going on? Okay. And, And, you know, no one's writing a prescription, you know, without checking everything out and making sure that that's actually what you need. Yeah. Okay, so we, we, we try to handle things the same way. 
Um, but I won't uh, take your blood pressure and I won't put you on a scale. Uh, no needles. Okay, so we are much less invasive uh, <laughs> version of the doctor, right? That's great. Well, if you if you have questions, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. There's a schedule a call with Nick button right there on the front. Click that and you'll get started just as Nick was talking about. But hopefully this is a helpful conversation for you. If you have any information that you want to pass along to somebody, please point them to the podcast. we got plenty of conversation about estate planning, hopefully some good education along the way, and uh, we hope you'll share that with those that are interested in that. So, Nick, thanks for your time as always, and good luck with your next soccer game. We hope you continue to uh, play shutout defense along the way. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you what, it's like the it's like the – what do they call them? The steel curtain. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, over the years, if you go to the NFL, they have, the defenses have much cooler nicknames. The steel curtain, the purple people eaters. Oh yeah. Um, I was going to say, people around you na- probably don't love the, the steel curtain though, right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but cool nickname. Okay. I got to yeah. give credit where it's due. Fair. Did the bears in the 1980s have like a cool nickname no but well they probably did i was thinking of nebraska football used to be the black shirts they're great defense so another oh yeah see another cool name yeah absolutely gotta think of one for Um, team chicoletta yeah that's fair that's fair because we know you know again not to get into this but you know ohio state's playing well but their defense is not what it's been in years past they don't scare anyone yeah okay there's no uh there's no James Laurinaitis or Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or Chase Young. There's no big scary guy on defense, you know, coming to, you know, coming to take your lunch. Cats and Lawyer, um, remember him? Oh wow, yeah, <laughs> no, back. that's going way back. Yeah. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's like we had all these, you know, all pro cornerbacks and defensive linemen and then years ago we had these mean linebackers that they were like they would make you scared just to watch them on tv yeah none of that (laughs) now we're just a pack you know we're like a big 12 offense that's where football's gone yeah i guess i guess we're shifting back but anyway yeah we could could talk that forever but hopefully hopefully this is another good year for ohio state seems to be so well we'll we'll see. we'll see. I'll tell you what I think I'm more scared I'd be more scared of Chicoletta's defense than <laughs> Ohio State's defense right now. But you know, that's just me. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, we'll get out of here on that note, Nick, as always. We appreciate your time. Good catching up with you and uh, we'll do it again soon. All right, perfect. See you next time. <laughs> The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.